Hi, welcome to Cinema Scene on Gardner Webb University Radio, WGWG.org. That's Adam Long over there. I'm Noel T. Manning II over here. We talk movies each week. We uh, give you uh, a look at what's uh, what's box office related. We give you a look at uh, our, our review, our take on films. We'll give you hot topic stuff. It varies. Uh, we give you movie news, uh, but but ultimately, it's a movie kind of show. Uh, today, we're going to actually do a segment that we've never done before. It was something I got an idea somewhat for by listening to uh, to another show called The Movie Court. And uh, now their concept, I'll tell you about this, Adam. I don't know if you're familiar with these guys, but they will take a movie and uh, you'll have a, it's a three-person uh, team that you're listening to. You've got one person serving as the judge. You've got one person as the prosecution and one as the defense attorney. And so they're defending movies. Uh, they are prosecuting movies, and you have a judge determining on if that movie uh, gets to you know go to jail for 20 years or if it's one that should be released on, on good behavior. So uh, cool concept, but mine's, mine's uh, one I came up with is a little different, uh, but we're not going to prosecute. But what we will do is we'll look at uh, some film and uh, one that's available on, uh, on Netflix, on DVD, um, Amazon Prime, you know, wherever, Redbox, whatever you decide to choose. And uh, the name of the uh, segment is called Keep It, Delete It, or Reboot It. And uh, you and I talked about some ideas for one. And uh, one I've been wanting to revisit for a while is called uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, uh, that, uh, that goes back quite a few years. And it's really several little movies in one. It's an anthology. I guess it goes back to June of 1983. And, um, you know, some, some great people connected with this. Um, you've got uh, Landis. You've got uh, Spielberg. got Jerry Goldsmith uh, doing the music. Uh, Albert Brooks, George Miller's involved in this as well. So um, uh, it's an anthology, a horror anthology that really kind of set the stage for some others of that type that we were uh, that we were to uh, be seeing as well. And so I thought we would take kind of each segment, and uh, with this one to be a little different, Adam, we'll, we'll uh, decide to you know uh, you know keep uh, delete or reboot uh, by segment, and then we can talk about it by movie uh, as a whole after that. How's that sound? Yeah, it sounds like a good, uh, a good idea. I like your, I like your plan. All right, buddy. You say you doing well this week? Yeah, doing, doing fairly well. Good uh, deal. We, we got a lot of things we will talk about as well after yeah. we get through with this. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to, to to share about some of those things. We have a Hollywood death to talk about and some movies uh, to give feedback on as uh, as well that are out in theaters. Mm-hmm. So uh, stick around with us. And once we get through with this, we'll talk about some of those new films uh, in theaters uh, that you can check out. Uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, in 1983, it was a horror anthology. And uh, it started out with this kind of cool little prologue and uh, kind of served as a, as bookends, really, um, with, uh, with Albert Brooks in the first part and also Dan Aykroyd, uh, who showed up at both the beginning and the end of the film as far as wrapping up. But then we're going to kind of go to these segments and you'd have some people um, who have um, been in previous Twilight Zone episodes back from the 60s who would show up in some of these little little vignettes. And uh, Burgess Meredith, uh, you know, just a, a great um, character actor that I remember throughout the years. And I remember him from the Twilight Zone, uh, Twilight Zone uh, TV show. And he had uh, he did the voiceover. He did the Rod Serling. Uh, stuff and it kind of narrated into uh, into and out of each segment. The first one uh, directed by John Landis, and uh, and this one, you know, Adam's got a lot of uh, dark history to it as well. Uh, the name of this one was called Time Out, uh, starring uh, Vic Morrow. Let's get your thoughts on this particular segment uh, directed by uh, John Landis. Well, I think it suffers from obviously the production woes 
that uh, befell it, as it were, as you know, we we all know that uh, Landis was when he was directing the segment. There were two children and the veteran character actor Vic Morrow, who's the father of Jennifer Jason Lee. They were all killed when a helicopter uh, crashed on, on uh, the soundstage, and these kids had been working past their hours that they were supposed to be working. So there's all kinds of shenanigans going on, and, and at this point, Landis was a director who was known for pushing the envelope to right. get whatever shots he wanted and uh, doing doing things that were sometimes risky, as evidenced on his the Blues Brothers, for example. So uh, this was a really uh, it was a news-making item, this whole thing that happened. And I think the segment suffers because there's a, it's obviously obvious that there's been some uh, judicious trims that have uh, that they've made, and they of course I'm sure they had to work around Vic Morrow uh, not being there, obviously after having uh, gotten killed during the making of this. So I, I think that, that this segment suffers, in my opinion. Um, it's just kind of standard, typical, uh, you know, Twilight Zone stuff that. You know, has the uh, typical template, I guess you would say, but yep. uh, doesn't really offer much of anything new. It's kind of predictable and not really all that inventive, and that's kind of shocking considering what a uh, director John Landis was at that time, what kind of a, uh, a career he had going at the time. So anyway, that's my take on it. But Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, um, I think the um, story concept is great, uh, and story concept is basically a racist who yeah. ends, ends up becoming what he hates, and that's the, uh, that's, that the, story. <laughs> that's, the that's, that's the story concept. Um, but I, I think the story concept was great. Uh, Vic Morrow was was really good. I like Vic Morrow. Yeah, but, he but, was good. Yeah. But I think the execution of the story just needed a lot of improvement. And and like you said, they did have to kind of change the ending. Um, and I guess they had shot already shot some multiple uh, multiple endings or done some things with that. But yeah. uh, in the original ending. Um, there was supposed to be this kind of character arc change, uh, where yeah. where Morrow's character, who was a racist, you know, ended up saving these kids, and it's just right. uh, and That's it's right. just interesting that it ended up being that they all ended up really dying in real life, and that's just kind of they a sad, together, sad tragedy yeah. of this. Um, it was brutal. But, but, yeah, you know, I think his, that footage that footage is out there. You yeah, yeah, I, and I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend seeing it. I wouldn't no, recommend no, looking no, at no, it. No. But uh, but yeah, Morrow's acting definitely impacted uh, the original. I thought the segment itself just kind of as it Still is was kind of just kind of average, maybe a little sub average, you know. But but Morrow uh, Morrow was great. Uh, like I said, yeah. story concept was good. I'm I'm giving this kind of a reboot. I, I'd say reboot this. Um, I, I'd like to see it done 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 again, done well. Uh, but as far as a grade, I'd give it a C, C minus. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on grading? I'm right there with you, okay. uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this. You know, if they're going to reboot stuff, I, I don't see why they shouldn't go back and just do another Twilight Zone yep. film. I yep. think uh, that the, the that the opportunities are ripe for something interesting there. I, I think that would be um, not a bad idea, yeah. actually. And, and you know, and my thought is, um, I would love to see uh, anthologies are really dif- difficult to do well as a whole. Um, on film, mm-hmm. I mean that they'll work on TV, but to do it as a film, it's hard to, to have have it really hold together uh, consistently throughout. And I think this one overall suffers from that. We'll talk about that toward the end of it. But I've got an idea of something that might make a Twilight Zone movie today work 
uh, if we uh, were in agreement that we decided to, you know, to reboot this. Uh, the the yeah. second episode or the second segment was a Spielberg-directed piece called Kick the Can. And um, Scatman Crothers in this, man, always loved Scatman. Um, you know, as an actor, he just, he, every time I saw him, I just, he just made me happy. Um, there was something about his smile, even in um, some, um, some films and things he did that weren't quite, um, you know, weren't quite uplifting. There was just something about him I just really always liked. But uh, the concept of this particular segment is uh, it's a, you know, kind of a retirement, retirement home. Uh, and a, a visitor arrives who uh, offers, uh, he offers the, the, the people, the residents there, a, a return to youth, a, a chance to kind of relive their youth in some very unique ways, and uh, he's getting pushed back from one, but but several of them are like, yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, let's let's re, re let's re you know, relive our youth in a real way. And um, you know, uh, one of the quotes that that I loved that the Scatman's character said, he says, "The day we stop playing is the day that we get old. Life is a risk. You need to find the magic of youth." And I really love the way this episode was shot. Um, I love the lighthearted humor. In this, I yeah. thought I thought the casting was great because you've got. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and give a little spoiler here. Um, so for those listening, if you don't want to know the, the spoiler, I'm giving you the spoiler alert. He does give these uh, these older people a chance to relive their youth by becoming young again. And so in the segment, they're kicking a can and playing and having fun, and all of a sudden they go from being uh, older adults, seniors, to being young kids again. And once that happens. Um, they kind of have to decide, okay, is this something we want to relive again? Is this something that we, do we want to you know, live as kids and have to go through all the struggles and trials that we went through again? Or um, do we just want to live youthful lives? And I really loved that, that concept of it. I thought, like I said, the casting was great. I thought the casting was great both as the, for the kids and for the adults, for the older people. It really worked. The shot selections were wonderful as well as the music. Um, uh, but the, you know, the theme that getting what you wish for isn't always what you really need comes about. It's all about perspective. I uh, love this episode. Really did. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I, 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 there are things I like about it. Let's just say that there are things I like about it. Um, I do think it's some, it's a couple of times I thought that it succumbed to some of Spielberg's, uh, overly sentimental tendencies sometimes, <laughs> Uh, he has that tendency at times, and I think that got the better of him uh, occasionally from time to time. But it is well shot. It's very well scored. You're right. Um, and there, there's some great actors there and, and, a, and a nice message. You know, of course, it's a remake of an old episode of The Twilight Zone, yep. so it was yep. previously done. Yeah, as was uh, the, uh, the, yeah, the first the was the same show. way. So, you know, I, I, it, for me, it was a mi- that segment's a mixed bag, uh, especially considering the final two segments, which are the real powerhouse segments of the film. <laughs> it okay. kind of pales in comparison to those. But but some good stuff there, for sure. <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm saying uh, keep it. Uh, that's on, uh, this one's a keep it for me. And uh, not giving it a day. I actually, I like the... Uh, I like the, the, the sentimental aspects of this one. I think it really, uh, to me, it, it worked. And um, when, you're doing, when you're doing Twilight Zone, you, you did have some of them that had that sentimental aspect. And some of them are just really dark. And that was something yeah. that, that uh, you know, when uh, Sterling was writing these pieces and, and getting people like Matheson involved uh, in, in writing these pieces as well, that, 
you know, some of them went in completely different directions. And, um, you know, for this particular film, uh, Richard Matheson, who was just known for writing some really, really great, great, great stuff, wrote two-thirds of this film. So, um, yeah, this has got some interesting, interesting stuff. Kick the can. I'm giving it an A, and uh, I'd say keep it. Um, and so what's your decision on it? Keep it, uh, reboot it, or delete it? I, I, I would probably um, reboot it. Okay, all right. All <laughs> I'd right. like to see somebody give it another uh, chance. Gotcha. All right. Uh, the next segment, uh, you and I are going to disagree on this one, it sounds like. Uh, it's a Good Life. <laughs> uh, it's a Good Life, directed by uh, Joe Dante in this one. Uh, and it actually um, is borrowed in part from uh, Night Call, and uh, which was uh, an episode, and also a Nightmare as a Child, kind of a, a combination of, of those two from the original series. Uh, let's get some of your thoughts on this uh, Joe Dante-directed uh, piece. Uh, I actually like it. I think it's uh, there's so many just wild and, and crazy ideas that are at work here. But anybody that's familiar with Joe Dante's work, uh, especially later on, the Gremlins films, both of them, especially the second Gremlins film, this is right in line with those kind of things. I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what will stick and for me, it's just a lot of wacky, wacky fun. And uh, it's, I don't, I don't know how to really describe the plot. This woman goes to this house, and there's a little boy that lives there, and his family just acts really strange. And, and you kind of find out that he's got some kind of superpowers, and he keeps them all captive, basically. And, uh, that, and, and so he's, they, they, they are, his family literally lives in fear of what he might do next, and and so it, while the lady's there, he kind of unleashes a lot of childhood things, fantasies and things in the house, and there's all kinds of creatures running around, and I don't know what all to, how, how really to describe it, but it's kind of like a Warner Brothers cartoon that's come to life. And actually, I think he uses some Warner Brothers sound yep. effects in there. But, uh, you know, I, I, I really enjoy that segment just for its inventiveness and its, its wackiness. And so for me, I would keep that one. Okay, I, you know, I think um, I really did like the kind of surreal aspect of it. I thought it was just kind of way over the top, though. Um, the characters just felt completely, uh, well, unbelievable. But of course, it was fantasy. But I just, it just—it yeah. it was to me. I just found it kind of boring. Now, I did I did think the created? I thought the sets were incredibly creative. Um, the exaggerated camera angles, loved them. Um, but I thought at times it was just kind of really slow. I thought segments of it just kind of felt really, really slow to me. I kind of actually kept wishing for it to end. Um, so I, I, not a, I'm not an overall fan of this segment, the way it was executed. Um, but yeah. but I will say I'd love to see it rebooted with Tim Burton directing that segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, as I was watching it, I was like, man, you know, um, these exaggerated angles, the, the kind of wacky um, surreal sets in, in certain aspects of this house for this kid. Uh, yeah, Tim Burton could have a whole lot of fun with this. So I'm saying reboot it with Tim Burton uh, directing uh, the segment. That's that's my thoughts on uh, episode three, which is called It's a Good Life. Uh, I like to call it uh, Speak No Evil um, because uh, once you start speaking evil of this kid is when uh, when chaos ensues and you better watch out. Oh, yeah. So, uh, But there were some great... Uh, Character actors that popped up uh, in that particular uh, segment as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, Joe Dante directed that one, and uh, and you say keep it. Uh, I say uh, reboot it with uh, Tim Burton uh, directing. Last segment, my favorite. 
um, of, uh, of this. We're talking about the Twilight Zone, the movie. Um, this segment that we're talking about, I'm, I'm Noel Manning. That's Adam Long. Uh, it's called mm-hmm. Keep It, Delete It, and Reboot It. So we're looking at uh, the Twilight Zone, the movie. We're looking at uh, as each individual segment. We're up to a kind of episode four uh, in this. Uh, George Miller directed this piece, uh, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. Uh, this is a uh, this is a uh, you know based on an original uh, the original show uh, that had uh, I think it was uh, uh, Burgess Meredith was he in that original no 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 who was in that uh, it was William Shatner William actually. Shatner that's it what 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 am I thinking yeah William Shatner that's in okay. that original um, yeah and um, and also the uh, the narration was borrowed in part by uh, in his image but uh, yeah and Shatner's version was great as well but oh, yeah. uh, but man uh, storyline. Um, Quickly, you got uh, you got this guy on this airplane who's having major panic attacks, a lot of anxiety, and scared to death. And, and all this is happening in the middle of this horrible thunderstorm. And so, uh, you know, just throw those things together, and you've got chaos. John Lithgow stars as this uh, this passenger who is just losing it, you know, and and man, losing it bad. Uh, Distorted camera angles. I love the use of mirrors and reflections in the windows in this. I thought it was just brilliant. Uh, I did think at sometimes the pacing was a little slow, but I've got to also remember the time period of this in the '80s. Um, you know, there was some slow pacing sometimes that was happening, especially in the early '80s in certain films. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the anxiety and the fear that we you saw from Lithgow was just awesome. Um, the music I thought worked really, really well at times. The lighting and the makeup, makeup for Lithgow, just awesome. Uh, shot selections were wonderful. Um, to me, this episode, this particular segment uh, of this guy who sees, uh, is not just dealing with anxiety, but he sees something happening outside of the plane, uh, and he, he thinks there's this creature that's literally ripping the plane apart, and of course, that causes panic, not just for him, but for others on the, on the aircraft as well. Um, it's it, it completely redeemed anything else uh, within this film for me. It was just a great way to kind of wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, and, and let's not forget the wraparound segments, which I think are pretty effective too, uh, with uh, Albert Brooks and Dan Aykroyd. I, I really, I especially enjoy it at the beginning of the film where they're um, doing this thing where they're humming TV themes and trying to guess what the TV theme is, and I. <laughs> That's always been. I've always enjoyed that. I've always gotten a laugh or two out of that every time. Yeah, and, and so, I always uh, I love the uh, you know they're riding down the car and it's a dark night and they start yeah, playing these games yeah, yeah. and um, you know they're talking about good, good. They're talking about scary things and there's this one little little line that Ackroyd says, "Hey, you want to see something really scary?" And I always yep. love that line and I've heard that line pop up you know years later. Yep. You know that that pops. Hey, you want to see something really scary? And I just, even the mm-hmm. inflection of it. That's Aykroyd, um, and, and I will say right. uh, Aykroyd's wife also stars uh, in a segment of this. Uh, she's in the uh, Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet segment as well. Yep. Uh, but yeah, there's wraparounds that kind of uh, the, the, the prologue and the epilogue that, that kind of serve as the bookends. Really, really mm-hmm. doing does a nice, nice job with that. Uh, so for sure the, yep. so for that segment, uh, Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet. What are your thoughts? Do you want to? Oh yeah, definitely keep that. Keep it. All right. Well, um, my thoughts for this for this particular film, I think, I think reboot it. Uh, I think now's a good time to reboot it. But I would maybe do it one or two ways, Adam. I would do it as one movie, 
um, mm-hmm. and, and pull one story and and really make you know give some depth to that particular story. So do it as either one movie or if you do it as an anthology, find ways that each segment will kind of weave into the other. That each segment kind of ties into the other, whether it's with a character or with a situation or with uh, with the camera angles. Um, kind of mm-hmm. seamlessly going from one to the other. I'd love to see that happen. So those are my, my two thoughts on uh, if we see somebody yeah. rebooting Twilight Zone, the movie. Like your idea. Like your idea. All right. Good deal, man. Well, uh, awesome. Uh, that's our segment here on Cinema Scene called Keep It, Delete It, or Reboot It. And we've uh, said, let's reboot uh, Twilight Zone, the movie from 1983. Well, let's dive into some, uh, some movie uh, reviews. Um, the Walk, uh, you and I both got a chance to check that out. And... Um, um, we weren't able to share on uh, last week's show about our thoughts on the walk that is in theaters now. Uh, give me your thoughts, man. It's a, it's a good film. Um, I, I think that, you know, of course it's based on the true story of this guy, uh, Philip Petit, I believe is his yep, name. that is that, correct. Uh, walked between the World Trade Center towers in 1974 on a tightrope not long after they uh, were opened. And he, he was a Frenchman. He was just obsessed with this kind of thing. He he he, he was a tightrope walker in in France. But he saw this picture in a magazine that just fascinated him. And so uh, the the movie's first hour, I don't know, hour and twenty minutes or so, kind of shows you how he became obsessed with this and how he plotted to get it done and pull it off and how he rounded up his co-conspirators and yeah. that's kind of formulaic yeah. storytelling. It's well shot and everything. The first hour and uh, 20 minutes that is it's uh, you know there's there's nothing really out of the ordinary there but it's really a big setup to the 17 minute walk which occurs uh, during that last act and boy that's something to see i mean yeah. the, the, the audience was gasping and um, visibly <laughs> nervous right right yeah <laughs> we say and uh you know it's 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 kind of it's it, it's worth it. I mean, e- even the the pre tightrope walking sequences do have a good sense of humor and and all of that, and they're well shot. Um, of course, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has the lead role there as Philip Petit, and he speaks to the camera. He breaks the fourth wall in a French accent. I thought he pulled off the accent fairly well, but uh, anyway, the the real thing to see here, though, of course, is the actual walk as advertised in the title of the film. And it's really something to see if you can see it in IMAX and 3D. Uh, I'm going to give it a solid B plus. It's it's a very entertaining film if in in a lot of ways. And uh, so it's not Zemeckis' best work, but it's definitely a solid film. So yeah, there you I'm, go. I'm giving it a, a solid A. And uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, that when I first saw uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt talking to the camera and, and hearing him, I'm like, man, he's he, yeah. The, he's exaggerating this French accent. It's it's a a little interesting how he's exaggerating mm-hmm. it. But then I remembered. Wait a minute. I saw the documentary um, that that really kind of inspired Zemeckis to actually do this, um, and it was called Man on Wire. And I remember. Wait a minute. The the actual guy who walked across these towers was a performer, and he kind of exaggerated everything. So I went back and watched the documentary again afterwards, Man on Wire, and I'm like, my gosh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt nailed it. He nailed not just the guy's accent, but also his inflection, his movements, how he spoke to the camera, how he spoke to people. Um, and so Levitt was great. Um, you know, even you know, going back, and wow, he was better than I actually thought he was. Um, this is a movie I think you, you really need to watch in 3D. 
Uh, highly recommended. I don't do that much because I'm not a huge, huge 3D fan, but it really works in this, especially when you, you see him walking across these towers and you look down and you get this sense, you get this feel that, oh my gosh, I am, uh, the depth works here. It's needed here. And even in, in the yep. set designs and other scenes, uh, 3D really, really works and it enhances it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, you know, this movie in many ways was a love story to the World Trade Center Towers. And, um, I, I, you know, of course, it was also a love story to kind of Paris in the first part of it. But, but overall, there's this, from early on in the movie toward the end, all through the end, it's really about the World Trade Center and really about finding a way to make them human and uh, bringing life to them. And uh, for those of us who have been around long enough um, to have seen the World Trade Centers die and see them fall, to kind of see this, the way they were birthed and the way that they had life given to them, uh, human life, um, was pretty impressive for me. And so I've got mm-hmm. to say from that standpoint, I really, uh, I've got to add uh, my deep love for, for it is there as well. Um, also opening, uh, we've got about five minutes, so uh, what other uh, movies do you want to make sure you talk about before we wrap things up today? Well, we'll quickly run through uh, 99 Homes, right, which stars it. Michael Shannon uh, and Andrew Garfield, and that just uh, that's coming out today, I believe, in wide release, and that's a really, really good film. Um, I'll go ahead and tell you right quick, I'm giving it an A-. minus. It's, it's a film that uh, examines the housing bubble and how it burst in the late 2000s and all of the ramifications of what's gone on since then and it's it, that's the kind of subject you don't expect for it to be an engrossing and gripping film to be made out of that but that's what they've done here uh the film is uh made by raymond uh uh raymond um benari i think that's i'm i'm I don't have that's his name right. In front that's of all right, man. Anyway. That's all right. He, and, uh, he, he, anyway, yeah, he's not listening it, to the it, show, so we're good. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, um, it's it's really really powerful stuff. I mean, the Michael Shannon character, he's he's basically preying on people and uh, to get them out of their houses so he can buy them up real cheap in foreclosure and and make a big profit. And he's cheating the government. He's forging documents to get these people out of their homes illegally, and he's just a real. Uh, for lack of a better word, scumbag. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah. just go ahead and say it. Yeah. And uh, and he gets Andrew Garfield to come in with him because Andrew Garfield is one of his victims, former victims, and he sees what the guy's doing. And so anyway, I just I'll just say it's a really really powerful film, well acted. Michael Shannon just always great, compelling, and uh, good stuff. So 99 Homes A minus. And then I'll tell you that Spielberg's new film Bridge of Spies, which is. Uh, uh, is based on the true story of how we exchanged a spy for a Russian spy in 1957 and all the, the 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 things that had to be done in order for that to transpire. Yeah, well, actually, hey, Adam, why don't we talk about that yeah. next week in more detail because it opens next week. Uh, and, okay, yeah, um, well, we can do that. Well, I'll just quickly say that, uh, you know, it's 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 it's... It's good Spielberg. We'll just say that. Okay. Um, Also opening uh, in wider release this week, The Walk is opening in wider release, and Pan uh, opens in 3,000-plus theaters. Uh, Steve Jobs is in uh, limited theaters. Uh, Next week we will talk about Bridge of Spies. Crimson yeah, they mean to get ahead of us. Well, that's all right, man. Crimson Peak also opens next week, as well as Goosebumps and Woodlawn. Yep. Uh, quite a few films uh, opening uh, in, in wide release next week, and we'll talk about some of those 
on uh, the next edition of Cinema Scene right here on Gardner Webb University Radio, WGWG.org. Uh, you got about uh, 38 seconds. If there's anything else you want to make sure you share uh, with folks. Oh, yeah. Uh, we want to mention John Gillerman's passing, the director of The Towering Inferno and the, and the 1976 version of King Kong. He died at age 89 uh, two weeks ago, had a heart attack, died suddenly. Uh, he was a workman-like director, also directed uh, Skyjacked and Shaft in Africa and quite a few other interesting films of the 70s, and uh, he was always a kind of a hero of mine because King Kong 76 and Towering Inferno were two of the films that inspired me to be such a, a film geek. So uh, we'll miss you, John Gillerman, uh, dead at the age of 89. So there you go. Adam Long, as always, we appreciate you spending time talking with us about movie. You can find Adam at focusnewspaper.com. You can uh, find our shows at wgwg.org and uh, check out our archives, which will link from there. Also on iTunes and soundcloud.com. I'm Noel T. Manning II. You can find me on Twitter at Noel T. Manning. That's Twitter at Noel T. Manning. Do you want to give your Twitter handle as well, Adam? You know, I don't have it right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I, I hate to say hey, it. I, man, I, just, that's, I always that's keep, horrible. I keep it signed on all the time, and I... But I can uh, I can find it really well. I, I think you're like what film fan 1970 it, it, it's or something. At Adam film fan 1970. There That's you go. Adam Long at Adam capital A uh, film fan capital F 1970. There's, right. There you go. There you go. So I know it better than you. That's pretty bad, man. You do. You do. Yep. <laughs> I got it. All right. Uh, Till next there. time. I'm Noel Manning. That's Adam Long, and this has been Cinema Scene on Gardner Webb University Radio WGWG.org. Uh, thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap.